let me tell you about Steve. Uh, Steve, 50 years old, and uh, went in for a routine surgery, had some pain medicine prescribed to him, but he came to find out that, um, man, he just was able to be so much more productive and over time found himself addicted to the pain meds. Let me introduce you to Clint. Clint is 26 years old, um, went through a really, really painful breakup, and as much as he wants to honor God with his life, he just finds himself addicted to porn. Let me tell you about Sherry. She's 44 years old, and she is experiencing just a tremendous amount of stress at work with one particular colleague. And when she comes home at night, uh, she's just found herself in this perpetual habit of having a drink or two or three to, as she says, take the edge off. According to the psychologist, Dr. Anne Wilson-Schecht, 98% of people are addicted to something that just helps us cope in life, 98%. I don't know about you, but I've actually never met the other 2% of the population. <laughs> Dr. Gerald May uh, has a classic book called Addiction and Grace. Uh, he is um, a spiritual director, author, psychologist. He says 100% of us are addicted to something. Now, most of us don't see ourselves as addicts. That's somebody else's issue. But Dr. May points out that the word addiction actually comes from the old French word attaché. Attaché refers to a junior member of the government who gets attached to an ambassador or some high-ranking official. And we get addicted or attached or attached to something that helps us numb, numb the pain, lessen the boredom, distract us from this like meaninglessness that we struggle with in our lives and inside. So we might fill the emptiness with alcohol or with food or with pain meds. We might just veg out in front of the TV for hours on end. We might engage in some sort of like physical endurance or some professional achievement, all designed to like distract us from the inner turmoil that we're facing in life. Sometimes we can be addicted to things that aren't necessarily bad, exercise, coffee, work, but if I cannot say no to something, then I am attached to it. If we cannot say no to something, then we are its attaché. We are in its service. We are actually, in fact, not free from it. And the thing that we're addicted to disrupts or displaces God as the center of our lives. Now, the Bible has a word for this. The Bible calls it idolatry. There's a man, most of us know um, him in history, just as Bill W., 
Bill W. found himself addicted to alcohol, and it took, his addiction took everything from his life. It took his family, it took his work, it took his health. He found himself rock bottom in jail. His alcoholism landed him at rock bottom. And now we know him as the founder of Alcoholics Anonymous. And his famous 12-step program has been a model for treatment of addictions around the world. But he admitted that he was ultimately powerless, step one, ultimately powerless to manage his life. And he came to believe that only a greater power, step two, could restore his sanity. He entrusted his life into the care of God, step three, and he experienced in his own life a profound spiritual awakening. And countless others have as well. He actually began to follow God in the way of Jesus, and he got connected to a group of people, the Oxford group, that were diligently studying the wisdom of Jesus. And through that little small group, out of that came the 12 steps. Now, step 11 of the 12 steps is this. Sought through prayer and meditation, prayer and meditation, to improve our conscious contact with God. One of the ways that we entrust our lives to the care of God and experience freedom from all the things we become addicted to or we become over-attached to is this conscious connection to God through prayer and meditation. That's what I want us to talk about today. Jesus said these words, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Now there are times where we pray and God does a miracle. My dad has that story in his own life. He's an alcoholic God. He would say God took the desire to drink away from him. There are times where God does a miracle, but a miracle by definition is rare. And what he's talking about in the 11th step is the practice of prayer and meditation and how the practice of prayer, or we would say contemplative prayer, often we use that phrase, the role that that plays in helping us with the addictions and over-attachments in our lives. So step 11 of AA is talking about this process where we regularly seek to connect our conscious selves to God through prayer. I love Psalm 4610. I love it as a breath prayer. It just simply says, be still and know that I am God. And sitting silently in the presence of God, meaningless as it can feel to do that, actually can help set us free from the things we're overattached to, from the things that we're addicted to. It's interesting because in the Old Testament, in the Bible, in the Hebrew scriptures, there were times where God would tell his people to do like a, a full frontal attack on something. But there were other times where God said, just be still. Don't attack, just wait. Like, I've got this, this battle belongs to me. So like in Exodus 14, we read, the Lord will fight for you. 
who need only to be still. In 2 Chronicles 20, there's a story about King Jehoshaphat of Judah, and he received this disturbing news that this army was advancing over on the other side of the Dead Sea. It was on its way to attack him and his people. And there's this amazing passage in Scripture that God really spoke to me through this just a few weeks ago. I was reading this, and it just was, you know, sometimes when you're reading Scripture and it's like, this is for me in this moment, like very much uh, the power of the, the Scriptures to speak to the moments of our lives. But in this, um, he prayed, and he called on his people to fast and seek God in prayer. And, and, and Jehoshaphat cries out to God, and he just says this, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. We have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. We don't know what to do, he's saying to God. But our eyes are on you. It's like God is saying in this story, in this instance in scripture, I got this. All you need to do is wait and be still. He's basically saying, be still and know that I'm God. And in this story, King Jehoshaphat is so confident that God has got this, that what he does is he sends the people out to sing. Like not with swords, not with arrows, not with flaming torches, but with song, he, sing, he sends them out and he instructs the choir basically to sing. And in the story, the enemies become all distracted, they become confused, and they actually start attacking each other, and God delivers the people. And it's interesting, in our personal lives, I think there are times where there is a struggle within, there is a battle waging inside of you, and God will say, like, fully go after that, but there will be other times where he will say, be still. Be still and know that I am God. Simply wait before the Lord and watch God deliver you. Watch God restore your soul. And as we get freed from the anxiety, from the pain, from the internal things that we all struggle with, we become attached to God in this process. And we're less likely to return to addictions for comfort because our hearts find peace in God. You know, sometimes being still is not actually literally being still. There uh, is a famous uh, great spiritual father of the 5th century, John Cation, and he instructed his monks under his care to do basket weaving while they prayed, to weave baskets, to do something with their hands while they were meditating, while they were praying, because he understood that sometimes, for some folk, a little bit of physical, a little bit of movement can actually foster a greater stillness of mind and of spirit. And depending on your wiring, depending on your temperament, you might be the kind of person who's like, when I go for a long drive, out on roads without a lot of stoplights, my mind can just kind of settle. 
you might be the kind of person who, man, when I take a long walk all alone or go for a run, that is when I am most still. Maybe you are the kind of person who's like easily distracted by a lot of random things coming into your mind. I think we're all that way sometimes, but some people are wired especially that way. Martin Laird has this beautiful book on contemplation. It's called Into the Silent Land. And he talks about a woman in that book, a woman who harbored deep whew, pain um, and just resentment and anger from her childhood. She uh, has a memory in the book. He tells the story that she has this memory of being a little girl and sitting in her room and she's looking at herself in the mirror. And her mom comes and sees her looking in the mirror and says, I hope you don't think you're beautiful. And she goes on to become this really accomplished ballerina. She wins a prestigious award. She's dancing for the thunderous applause of people all around the world. But when she first got the scholarship, her mom said, I have no idea why they would give that to you. you have, you're so clumsy. You have two left feet. And though she was very beautiful, and though she was an amazing dancer, her whole life she thought, I'm ugly, I have two left feet. And there was a season in her life where she, she came to experience uh, some solace, some peace around these wounds, and it happened when she was living in England, and she would just go walk in the countryside. And she would just walk and walk and walk. And she tells the story about one day when she's just walking and she felt like it was like scars of anxiety falling off of her. And she's praying and she's walking and she's meditating on the promises of God. And she said it was like these scars of wounding were just falling off of her. And even though that wasn't the case every time she walked, that particular walk, became a pivotal turning point in her life. It became this reference point in her journey towards the value of a deeper life of prayer. The power of God's Holy Spirit to heal her wounds, to cover over and to wash away the pain and the anxiety that she had lived with her whole life. You know, there's St. Augustine has this phrase, solvitur ambulando. It basically just means it is solved by walking. I love that. It is solved by walking. It's like she as a ballet dancer, you know, she came through it. It was solved by walking. For me, um, each morning for several years now, I'll just take some time to sit and meditate quietly in the morning in my chair. I say to myself, this is my time. I'm just going to let the Lord love me. Often I'm not doing anything. Um, I am just breathing. Sometimes my eyes are open and I'm looking out the window. Sometimes my eyes are closed and I'm just focusing on my breath. Sometimes, not often, but sometimes I'll light a candle kind of as a reminder that I am in the very presence of God. Once in a while, I'll play a little chime. 
from Insight Timer Sound Picker. almost just like a little summons. I am here to be in your presence, God. I am here to let you love me. I'm not here to study anything. I'm not here to get a bunch of things done. I am here to let you love me and to tell you I love you. I think of contemplative prayer a little bit like kayaking sometimes, like, um, I, you know, in Wisconsin where we go on Mueller Lake, I love kayaking there. Sometimes I'll kayak at Lake Dillon up in the mountains. Um, but, you know, when you're out on a kayak, sometimes you see debris in the water, right? You're like kayaking along, you're, you're out in nature, you're looking to just, you know, commune and be in a peaceful place. And sometimes you'll be like, what's the trash floating on the water near the shore? Like, who threw the cake can in? Why is there a plastic bag? You know, you'll see things floating on the water. But, but also when you're kayaking, I know for me, I have been witness to frogs and turtles and blue herons swooping by. I have seen a moose come and drink at the side of the water and deer up on the shore. I've seen fish jump up at like a 45 degree angle. This is kind of like contemplative prayer, right? You're, you're, you're going out on the water, and sometimes on the water of your life is, there's some anxiety, there's some pain. Wow, I just spent the, I took a few deep breaths, and then I just started chewing somebody out in my mind, right? It's like the debris floating on the water. And the amazing gift of our loving God is that God just meets us, right, like wherever we're at. Martin Laird talks about how uh, contemplative prayer is like the Holy Spirit is like an archaeologist, just like the layers of our lives, and always starts with like wherever we are, the concerns of your life today. Recently, I was taking a walk around Washburg by myself, and I just, you know, I was praying and breathing, and then I just noticed my mind was ruminating on a situation. And I was starting to have all these conversations in my head, stories I'm making up in my head. And I, I thought, you know, I am just going to breathe in, God bless them, and I'm going to breathe out, heal me. And so for the rest of that walk, I just did that. I said, God, bless them, heal me. Bless them, heal me. And sometimes it is the very sources of friction in our lives those relationships that get sideways, those struggles at work that become the very fodder. It's like that's where God meets us. He doesn't expect you to be somewhere you're not. The very circumstances of your life are the very places he wants to meet you. Um, if you're like me, a whole lot of times, nothing very special even happens, right? It's just very ordinary. I'm just sitting in my chair. I'm not feeling anything profound. But I find the best way to begin the day is simply to be reminded, I'm not God. God is with me. The simple truths of living into God's kingdom. Augustine once prayed this, ancient beauty ever new. You were within me, but I, was living outside of myself. 
ancient beauty ever near you were within me. It's like prayer and meditation. It's like prayer and meditation are, they're a way in which we are freed from the illusion that we're all alone in this world. We're freed from the lie that says like, you got to take care of you because no one else is here to take care of you. There's so much pressure coming from the outside of us and from the voices of people in our lives. We can easily start to live outside of ourselves and just neglect our interior life. And there's something about sitting or walking or running. There's something about silently being in God's presence that helps us to recognize that ancient beauty ever there. It helps us combat all these illusions that we're alone, that we have to fend for ourselves. And as we become more and more and more aware of God's presence, we become more whole. We become more free. We become more healed in who we're truly meant to be. You know, several years ago, I, I tried grocery store sushi and I was like, this is a nice alternative. Not bad. Kind of a nice change up from a sandwich or a salad or whatever. And when Tim and I moved to Platt Park, you know, we heard about sushi then. And we're like, oh, we could walk there. And, but we're like, yeah, it's a little beyond our budget to like, you know, so I'm, we, just, we didn't have it right away. But there was a Christmas Eve where we're like, you know, we're going to be here all day. Christmas Eve services. Let's have sushi then for dinner. And sushi den, if you don't know, you know, it's been ranked like I think top in the top twelve sushi restaurants in the nation at different points. They fly in the fresh fish daily. And so we try sushi den. And I just remember Tim and I were like, we're never going back. Like to and everything else will now be second. <laughs> we are never going back to Safeway sushi. <laughs> and that's what scripture says, you know, like taste and see that the Lord those moments like the ballerina out in England walking in the countryside and she's just like enveloped in the presence and love and power of God and just like scarves falling off of her goes her shame you know you taste and see that the Lord is good Isaiah 55 says like delighting in the richest fare it's like the like we're never going back to Safeway sushi right Something happens when the more beautiful music of God singing over you becomes the longing of your heart. It rings in your soul. We become whole in this process. And as we're still before the living God, our souls are made whole, our hearts are set free. And that is what we want more and more. God himself. Let's pray together as we close. I wonder if anybody here is just being invited by God's spirit to attend to his presence more deeply like to 
breathe deeply every day and savor that friendship, to inhale and exhale the presence of God, and to relax, to just not try so hard. Chances are, as we do this, like, God, you know, the anxiety just, it, it comes up. But we thank you that you meet us right there. As memories come, you meet us in that. And we desire to heal the pain that we experience in people. Help us to see how all of our other cravings, all of our addictions, all of our attachments, are ultimately a craving for you. God, we know that only you can satisfy. And as we come to the table of communion now, we come again to you for nourishment. You are the one. You're the one we're longing for. You're the one we love so. Would you help us to see how every other attachment and every other addiction is just like pointing to the desire deep, deep down to be attached to you, to trust you, to receive nourishment from you. We pray all this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.